Welcome today. Thank you for joining us online. Wherever you're joining us from, would you just uh, right now in the chat, would you just uh, mention where you're from, whether you're, you know, watching on your computer, whether you're texting, watching uh, some other device, some other place. We are so glad that wherever you are, that you decided to join us as we begin today this new series, Warrior. And today I want to go from the jump. This belongs to all of us. Sometimes when we talk about warrior or we talk about being strong, we only talk to the men. I'll just tell you some of the strongest people that I know are women. And so this applies to everyone. If you're out there and you have a call on your life, which is you, This message is for you. In week one, warrior is this, how to slay Goliath. So I don't know if you want to drop like a sword emoji. I don't like if you want to drop like a couple couple of boxing gloves in there, whatever your way of getting into a fight. Because this life is a fight. And where we are right now, if you're like me, this is a fight that you are in for your life, that this is not an easy time, but that this is a time where the days count, where this really matters, and you and I are going to be a part of something special as we rise up, as we become the people that God has called us to be. So let's begin in prayer. Father, we lift you up. Jesus, we glorify you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would rush over me today, that your word would be proclaimed, uh, and that people would experience fresh life from you, that they would experience your glory in powerful ways, that their lives would be changed as they pursue you, as they seek you, uh, that you would do something in us together. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to talk to you about four things today. Four things around this big idea of warrior. On week one, it's this, how to slay Goliath. How to slay Goliath. And the first thing that we're going to look at today is reject passivity. You can type that to somebody Be careful if you're tagging somebody in the chat. Come on, be nice to them. But we're going to reject passivity together. This is something you have to own it. Nobody else is going to do this for you. It has to happen inside of your heart. You see, when David was facing Goliath, David had a choice to make on that day. And you and I, we have choices right now. If we're really being honest about the situation we're in, you know, just like me, that there's nothing easy. There's nothing convenient. There's nothing that you and I really want to have about the whole shelter in place, coronavirus. I think we're all over it. Like if you're like me, you're done with it. And yet there's a tension in all of that is, What do I do when I feel like I'm done with it, but I'm still in it? Like, how do I go forward and how do I walk this out in faith so that my life actually matters and that it counts for what matters most? I don't want to miss out on what God has for me in the process. You have a Goliath in your life. I don't know what your Goliath looks like. It may be relationships. Your Goliath may look like uh, right now, having a a mindset that stays fresh and on Christ because it has 
every reason in the world right now to go to the weeds. And by the way, our inclination as humans is not towards the middle of the fairway. It's into the weeds almost every time. We don't just naturally go to the good, beautiful places in life. Are you with me on that? It's easy to start feeling the crowding around of complaining, the grumbling, the gossip, all of those things. What's the thing in your life? Name it. What's the thing in your life that you want to face, that you want to take on, that you want to slay this giant? Let's move forward today. Rejecting passivity, 1 Samuel chapter 17, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those, all those gathered here will, will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, check this out, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and, stuck the Phil- and, and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. In David's mind, it's not done yet. He took hold of the Philistine sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Leave no room for questions. The giant must be slayed from my life. I don't know what it is that's holding you back, but it's time to take the sword and cut it off and leave no question as to what you are doing in that moment. We're not dealing with the princess bride moment of mostly dead, I've mostly killed it. This is partially dead. No, we are going after Goliath with everything that we have. And here it is, you slay a giant the same way you slay the day. You charge. You charge. It's like, it's like playing baseball. Do you remember playing baseball? I remember when, when I was a kid, I was playing third base. I hated playing third base. I love shortstop. Third base is called the hot corner. It's called the hot corner for a reason because that batter turns in quickly when they turn on it. Man, a ground ball coming at you on the third baseline comes right at you. And this time Tanner Cooley turned and he hit one so hard down the third baseline. And I tried to get down where I could feel that ball. And at the last second, it hopped up and hit me right in the stomach. I had a baseball bruise on my stomach for the next week. I didn't like that feeling of of a ground ball hitting me. You know what what they tell you with, with the ground ball? They say you don't wait on it, you charge. When you charge it, it's less likely to hit a a bump and get you because you're moving towards it. You're active instead of playing passive. A lot of times in our spiritual walk, unfortunately, instead of playing offense, we start playing defense and backpedaling and we're off position. And what, what am I doing? You charge. You have to reject passivity that says the battle's coming to you. I'll just wait here. David runs to the battle. He goes to the battle to fight. 
That's the mindset of a warrior. I'm not waiting for it to come to me. I am up and I am ready. You have to reject passivity in your life when it comes at you because you don't know how it's going to come at you. For some of us, we adopted passivity without even knowing that we let it into our house. It's just the 10th time that you hit the snooze. That's what passivity can feel like. Now, now I'm getting in your business today, and I know, I'm sorry, because I started talking about, about the snooze, and you know, it's like the meme where it's like 10 different alarms, wake up, you're going to be late. Hey, it's really time. You got to get up. Naming each alarm. When am I going to get going in the day? Stop putting off the day. Stop putting off the moment and engage with faith. Engage, resist. Don't just resist passivity, reject it. And I think for, for us in this season, one of the most toxic things that we can do is take on this lie. There's nothing to do, so I'm going to do nothing. There's nothing to do, as if there's nothing to do in the world just because everything seems to be kind of shut down. There's nothing to do. There's something to do. Engage with your faith and with the divine. Consider your life light like a garden because what's flourishing, what's prosperous in your heart is what will prosper in your life. And if you let the wrong things in this season prosper in your heart, if you're planting those seeds of passivity in your heart right now, in a few months, guess what you're going to have? You're going to have a garden of the things that you don't want. Pull the weeds up, baby. You got to get back on track when you start just letting passivity into your life. It's not easy, but it's diligence that's going to be used by God in this process. I remember one time I was talking uh, to one of my mentors, Mitch, uh, a couple years ago. And he said this to me, because uh, I said, you know, life lately seems to be kind of difficult. Like, my walk with God feels off. I, I can't quite figure out what's happening. And the first question he, he asked me, and you know, this is the minister at, at our church, so I felt a little off by it. But he said, well, let me ask you, um, how's your diet been lately? It's like, What? I told you my walk with God is off. He said, how's your diet been lately? I was like, I, pretty good, man. I mean, I've been at Whataburger and at Rib Crib. I mean, like, that's basically what I'm doing every day. He's like, okay. How, uh, how's your sleep? Burning the candle at both ends. I'm just going hard in, in life. Okay, How, how's your personal time with God? Well, I've been a little too busy for it lately. Okay, how about time with friends where it's just mutually beneficial time. You're not mentoring or pouring into somebody else, but it's just, you guys are blessing each other. I don't know. I haven't really had that happen in a while. Okay. How's, how's your fitness been lately? Man, I, I didn't know we were talking about going to the gym. I was just talking to you about going to, to God. <laughs> He's like, no, like you're, you're a human being. Like you got to check your, your diet, your sleep, your time with God, your time with friends, like your, your fitness. Sometimes it's just activating and doing something. Sometimes you just got to step out and do something. And once you step out and do something, it accelerates you into, you, you start building momentum into every other area of your life. In 1 Samuel 17, 
Verse 17, Jesse said to his son, David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. When David went to face Goliath, there wasn't a plan to beat Goliath on that day. David was just taking some bread and cheese to the battle lines. All he is is a pizza delivery boy showing up on the battle lines for his brothers. What I love is this, verse 20, it says, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd. Notice the diligence. David loaded up and he set out. And as Jesse had directed, he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. David slayed the giant in the exact same way that he slayed the day. He charged at it. He didn't hit snooze, you know, 20 times. He got up early. He left all of the sheep all of what belonged to him. He didn't just let that just kind of go. He was focused and diligent in what he was doing. He charged after the day. The second thing is this. David accepted responsibility. And I just want to encourage you in this. In this time, you got to own it. You have to own it. My spirit, my responsibility This is where blame gets me in trouble. (laughs) Like if I'm being really honest, I'm like, man, you won't believe how they acted today. Oh, that's, that's the excuse for how I'm behaving now. As if their actions dictate my life. I have to come back to the place inside of me. This is my spirit, my responsibility. It's on me to cultivate a place of health from within. David won the battle against Goliath because he won the battle of responsibility before. Like I said, his father sent him to the battle line, so he got up and he went there. Now check this out, verse 22. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. This is as the battle lines are forming. David hears everything happening. You think as a young man that there's not a little bit of adrenaline going on inside of David? That he doesn't just want to get out there to the battle lines, but it said that he left the supplies with the person in charge. He made sure, okay, if this is on my plate, I'm going to own it. I am going to own the responsibility. I'm talking about extreme ownership. I'm not blaming. I'm not going to give an excuse. Instead, this is mine and I own it. When you have a responsible spirit, you have as well a responsible life before you. David's hands were free to fight the giant because he was responsible with what God had placed in his hands. So I just want to encourage you, slow down. Like, do the little things well right now. Because when you're in a moment like this, like we're all in this collective moment, it feels like everything is accelerated and like you have to just get everything done three days ago. Slow down and do it with diligence. I'm not saying slow down and be passive. I'm saying slow down and take your time and do things with excellence. Be faithful in what God gives you. God gets you ready for bigger things when you're faithful with the small things. Satan rushes, but the Lord leads. And if you'll own the process, if you'll be obedient to what you've been given, then you can stay ahead of the curve. Responsibility, accepting your responsibility keeps you ahead of the curve. Now, 
responsibility has to do with some things that we can and we can't control. You can't control the economy, neither can I. Like we can't control the weather this summer in Oklahoma. We don't get to control the people around us. We're all in agreement on that, right? So the more that I say that is stuff I can't control, what I can control is what's happening in here. Like what I can control is me. And you know, that ultimately comes through surrendering my heart to God at this time and saying, God, I need your grace and your favor and the fruit of the spirit to be evident in my life. Because even when I just try to force it and make it happen on my own, I kind of end up a little bit twisted too. But I got to own the responsibility. We get in trouble when we own the responsibility belonging to other people and reject our own responsibility. But when you think about what's ahead, and when you think about where you want to be in, in a few months, just if, if you would, like take, take, you know, three seconds and just imagine, take 10 seconds, imagine like this is my life in a few months. Like this is what I want to create. This is where I want to be. What happens in a crisis is that our minds run ahead into the future. We are so obsessed with what is to come. This is dangerous. This is really dangerous because you start living in the future and when you don't understand what's going to happen in the future because things seem to be shifting every day, then you, you end up kind of freezing in the present. So the future is cloudy, but my mind's obsessed there. So now I can't really focus on the present. And what you and I have to do is generate hope for our future by owning the power in the present. You have to own the power in the present. Now, I've been learning this over the past couple months during this process, and I've had kind of some ups and downs just like you in it, just like you. But I'm writing a book, comes out June 23rd, called Unstuck. You cannot deliver, you cannot pre-order it yet, but you will be able to here in the next couple weeks. We'll let you know about that on Amazon. But the process of writing a book, I always thought, man, there's so many different things involved in it. For, for me, what I actually discovered in this process is you sit down, you set a timer for 30 minutes, and you write. <laughs> and then you write again. And then you write again. And you just keep doing it again and again and again. And by owning the present, by living with power in the present, you're generating hope for the future of what's going to happen. When you leave all of the outcome in everybody else's hands, you end up in a world of anxiety. Because I've been there in this, in this little situation and season we've had too. What would it look like if you stayed faithful and you stayed responsible to the moment, knowing that things can shift? For, for me, I'll tell you, this is kind of what, what happens. When I stay responsible in the present moment, when I say, God, I'm going to be committed and I'm going to be responsible with the things that you've given me, what happens is this. Almost every time, I find myself back in purpose. I find myself living back in purpose again. Okay, God, this is not what I was planning, but I know my purpose is here to serve you. So what are the three things I can do today that are going to move me forward into what you have. 
be responsible with it. I just have to be responsible with that. And when, when I do, start building a sense of purpose. I wonder what happens when you start doing that. What if you could just build in some purpose? What if you started building in some perspective in your life, building in some momentum, building in some hope because you know where you're going, not based on the outcome of all the things that are out of your control, but the diligence of what you're doing each and every day. I don't have a job, but you know what? I'm gonna keep picking up the phone and making calls. I'm gonna work on my resume for 10 minutes at a time. I'm going to ask people to give me feedback on it. I'm going to work on my interview skills. I'm going to ask my my kids to read me these 10 questions so that I can get better because I'm going to control what I can control in the process. I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to accept responsibility. It's my spirit, my responsibility. David won the battle against Goliath because he won the battle of responsibility before. And when the opportunity came, he, his hands were open and he was able to take the responsibility for this big battle with the giant. The third part of this, as far as being a warrior and slaying Goliath is this, lead courageously. All of these taken from the book, um, Raising a Modern Day Knight. Uh, leading courageously often takes you down an unconventional path. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. And David said, well, uh, actually, there have been a few moments in my life when I just decided to go unconventional because we didn't have plan B. So when the lion came up, I slayed the lion. And when the bear came up, I took the bear down too. And I'm going to do the same thing because of the God who's with me with this giant. I'm not afraid for what's ahead. God has called me to an unconventional life. And when you understand that unconventional life that you've been called to, you also go back and remember the things that he's done in your life. When you had your back to the wall, when you didn't feel like you could go forward, when you felt stuck and nowhere else in the world to go and God still came through for you. You remember that testimony. You stay sharp with that in your mind. And what that allows you to do is to, stay, is to stay focused on the next step in front of you. It allows you to lead courageously because you understand how God has worked for you in your past. I think it's interesting as well in this passage right here, David was dressed up in Saul's armor. He was given the king's armor because the king wanted David to go fight Goliath in the way that the king would fight Goliath. The only problem was the king wasn't fighting Goliath. And for some of you, you know that the thing that God has called you to do in life isn't the way that everybody else has been called to do it. Like people have done it in a different way before, but some people in your life have all of the answers for you, but they've never done it themselves. And you know that there's a uniqueness to what God has given you and it's unconventional. And you're walking it out in faith and you don't have everything figured out with it, but you're just taking it one day at a time. Press into it. David didn't go to battle with the armor of Saul. Instead, he took the armor off. He said, I can't fight in these. And he went to battle. It looks so silly in the moment. I'm just telling you, it looks so silly in the moment. What happened was this. David showed up at the battle lines with only a sling and a few stones. But what can God do when you show up 
willing and open and available saying, Lord, this is the thing that you've given me. By the world standards, it doesn't look like, like much, but it's all I got. I got you with me. I got this one thing. So I'm going after this giant today. I'm going after him. Draw from your history of things where God has showed up. And um, this is hard for a lot of us who want to lead well in this time. But sometimes the most courageous thing you can say is, I don't know. But God is going to lead us forward. And I just want to encourage you in your leadership, in your life, at your home, don't make it up. Like sometimes the best thing you can do as a leader is to say, I don't know but we're trusting God to lead us forward. Because sometimes when you feel a crisis, what you'll be tempted to do is to courageously in your mind, create something out of thin air, manufacture it, and now we're gonna go do this thing. But the problem is in a crisis, things are constantly changing in front of you. David didn't have an elaborate battle plan. What are you gonna do? I'm just showing up with what I got. And I'm going to continue to step forward, trusting that the Lord is going to walk me forward in this process today. I love this. Graham Cook said, I like my current circumstances. This is from his teaching, The Way of the Warrior. I like my current circumstances. They're wonderfully challenging. Some of them, a couple of them are really nicely impossible. And I'm fascinated by them. No, honestly, I'm not just messing around here. I'm really fascinated by the unique challenges and difficulties that I'm facing right now. I'm really intrigued. I'm enjoying them more and more. And I'm fascinated by who God is going to be for me in the midst of all of them. I'm fascinated by the promises that God has given me. I'm fascinated by how God plans to develop me in them. I don't care if they go away or stay. You, you know what? If they leave, better ones will come. I'm really happy with where I am and the challenges I have because I'm not looking at those. I'm looking at who God is. I'm discovering the twinkle in his eye, the smile on his face, the bigness of his heart towards me. This is a good day in the kingdom. This is a good day. Sometimes the most courageous thing you can do is say, I don't know, but God is going to lead us forward I'm not going to make something up right now just to manufacture something. I'm going to trust him in his voice and the one who called me from being a shepherd who sent me to the battle lines is going to lead me forward so that I will be doing the thing that he tells me to do when I get there. I don't know what it is. (laughs) I'm just following him along in each step. This is really going to frustrate some of you who want to control the situation, who want to manufacture, who want to manipulate it. But remember, God's called you to lead in this moment. And sometimes it's through your vulnerability. Sometimes it's just through your authenticity that God is really going to allow you to connect with people and then go forward together. That's where we are. We're all in a difficult situation right now. Nobody's lived through COVID-19 like this before. Like we haven't gone through this as a culture. So what would happen if we just said, we don't know the way, but God, our eyes are focused on you. And so we're going to walk this out faithfully before you. When you face Goliath, you can be 
tempted to try and be Goliath, to try and fight like Goliath, but God didn't call David to beat Goliath by being Goliath, but by being David. He used the things that David wasn't. (laughs) He used the inadequacies by everyone else in culture. He used the things that people would say made David deficient. And that was the thing that led David into his destiny. If you feel inadequate, if you feel overwhelmed, if you feel like you're not qualified to lead right now, good news, this is where God makes warriors. This is where God leads people forward and allows them to become more in his power than they ever imagined that they could be on their own. Leading courageously often takes you down an unconventional path. And finally, as a, as a warrior, you want to expect the greater reward. I think that we struggle with this, with this one in our culture sometimes, especially in the Christian culture. We so just kind of push away any type of praise, any type of honor. And I think that that's generally a good thing because we're doing it from a humble place in our hearts. But sometimes we forget that there's a greater reward involved in stepping out and courageously fighting in moments like this. See, it said, now the Israelites had been saying, this is verse 25, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt him and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. In other words, if you win the battle against Goliath, you get great wealth, you get to marry the king's daughter and you don't pay taxes. It's a pretty good deal. And the king's daughter just happens to be a knockout. So win, 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 win. David asked the men standing near him because he hears them talking about it. He goes, hold on. (laughs) Let me ask again. What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. And when David's older brother, Eliab, when he heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger. (laughs) I love this man. He burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. And when Eli of David's oldest brother heard him speaking with the men, so he, 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 he burned with, with anger. And then David just says, now what have I done? Can't I even speak? And then check it out, verse 30. He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David was the one who was looking for a greater reward. And the only one who's, um, the only one who caught the king's attention is the one who was looking for a greater reward reward. When you're looking for more in life, some people are going to look at you and say, you're really prideful. You have a wicked heart. You're, they'll, they'll talk about you to your face, and, and a lot of them won't ever say it to your face, but they'll say it behind your back. You're just making it about you. This whole thing was all, always about you. You're conceited. You're proud. You're manipulative. You're, the list goes on. And David shows us what to do in that moment just turns away, 
what have I done? Just turns away. What happens in your life when people criticize you? You turn away and you stay focused on what's ahead. And here it is. You expect the greater reward when you live from your anointing. The story of David in this moment is set up by David in 1 Samuel 16. Because in 1 Samuel 16, Samuel came and anointed David as the future king of Israel. David had a different kind of confidence going forward. David knew who he was. David knew what God had called him to. And from that place, he lived with great expectation. I want to ask you today, are you expecting more from God in this season of life? Like, are you really believing big things from God? Are you expecting that God is willing and able to do more in and through you than you could ever ask or imagine? Are you expecting that when God shows up that the, that the giant is slayed? Are you expecting that Goliath will go down? Are you expecting that God is going to work in your life in such a powerful way that the things that once held you back, that the things that kept you in fear, that the things that held you hostage— that God will allow you in his strength to take down every giant and to allow his name to be glorified in your life, all because you expect more from him than anybody else would. What are you expecting from God today? Can you just believe, can you imagine what God might be willing to do in your life? If you said, you know what, when the passivity, when apathy comes at me, I'll knock out complacency. I'm not living in that zone any, anymore. I am living in a world of faith. And my faith is aligned with action. And so I'm stepping in. I'm pressing in. I'm living a big life. I'm living a big dream with a big God because I can expect more with him. I'm not just going to play with uh, dumbed down dreams with a dumbed down God. I have a big God and I am trusting him to do more in and through me than I could ever ask or imagine. I reject passivity. I accept the responsibility that's on my plate. And I am leading courageously. I'm expecting a greater reward. And that's why when I go to the battle lines, I'm not walking there in fear. I'm sprinting in faith because I know who is with me in the fight. I know who is with me. This is your moment to cross over the line with God. To step out in faith to live a life bigger than yourself, to own the moment. You own the moment by owning the process every day. And imagine what God might be willing to do in and through you if you just trust him and you press in to all that he has for you. God has made you a warrior and there's a heart inside of you that is more courageous than you believe more powerful than you would dare dream. This God is strong and he is with you and he is for you. And everything that we see in David that's good here, we ultimately see with Jesus. Where heaven could have sat back as we sat in our sin, but instead Jesus rejected passivity. He accepted responsibility for everyone's sin at the cross. He led courageously throughout his life in bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. And now we get to join him in that process. Jesus 
invites us to expect a greater reward with him forever. And that's the confidence that we have in this life is that we're trusting in him for eternal life, for the life that is ahead. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So today, Lord, we ask that you would wake our hearts up to the wonder that you would bring us back to a great faith in you, that you would give us courage, that you would give us strength, that you would give us boldness for what's ahead, that we would walk out our lives in a great faith before you. Even if our hands are shaking, even if our hearts are violently trembling within us, even if we feel like we don't have what it takes, that you are the God who is sending us into this moment. You have called us to be little Christ, to be Christian wherever we are. And so we ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would give us courage to be warriors so that things will be here on earth as they are in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.